The comeback. I would speak to you just for a moment today on the idea of the comeback. How many of you love sports? Okay. How many of you just abhor sports? You hate them? All right, so you're never going to get any of my illustrations. <laughs> I did have one guy tell me between that last service and this service, thank you so much for using sports as an illustration because I always tell my wife, well, Pastor Jason watches sports. <laughs> I did inform him that we have no more, pretty much no more children living at home anymore, and he, he, his wife is chasing children, and so she's like, would you turn that off? Kind of, really, sort of. But I'm not going to tell you who that is. But he is here. The comeback. But I, I, think, I think there's part of, a, part of something in all of us that absolutely loves a comeback, a great story. A place where it didn't look possible and then it happened. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. What about a spiritual comeback? What about a spiritual comeback? So we're going to ask some really tough questions today, and we're going to really dig in deep to this story. And, and some of the questions will be in, in this vein of thought. Was there a time in your life, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, was there a time in your life where you were closer to God than you are today? Was there a time in your life where, where you were just on fire for God, and, and, and now maybe situations and circumstances of life have got you weighed down? Or maybe you're here today and you're, you're in a fix. You're in a pickle. You're in a, I love that. Pickle. Have you ever played baseball? There's another sport analogy. I'm, I'm dead in the water for you. Two people are here who don't like sports. I'll, I'll find more analogies. Um, anyway, but, but you're here today and, and you're in a situation because of something that you did. And you feel far from God. And the enemy's convinced you that God really doesn't love you. And, you and you feel like you're you're really on your last leg can i tell you the greatest best thing you can do is run to god yes. just run to god with all your problems all your baggage all your struggles all your cares run to god you know the only difference between peter and judas is peter ran to god and judas ran away that's the only difference they both let they both just denied jesus and so we're going to look, we're going to look at David before we go to the scripture, it's Psalms 51, but before we go to this amazingly awesome prayer that he prayed, let me set the stage for you. David needs a comeback. David has messed up royalty. David has slept with his best friend's wife and then had him killed. See, that's in the Bible? Absolutely. The Bible's awesome, man. You should read it. David has gotten himself in a place where he has nowhere to turn. He's really, he's completely dependent on God. And and he's the king. This is David, anointed by Saul. David killed Goliath. David, who they sing about. Saul killed his thousands. David, his ten thousands. This is David, who we read about all through the Bible. This was a man's man, an awesome man. this, This is David. And he messes up. If you're here today and you feel like, you know, I've messed things up, you know, David committed adultery and killed somebody. So that ought to make you feel good about yourself. All right? Just, just, just know that God knows where you're at. And, and it's so important to get the mind frame of a comeback. 
See, the opposite of a comeback is losing. That's not an option. Losing is not an option. Coming back. So Psalms 51. So here's where we pick it up. David runs to God and he prays this amazingly awesome prayer that I think would, is going to minister to quite a few of us today. So can we go to Psalms 51? You got it? Okay. Psalms 51, 10 through 13, reading from the English Standard Version. Let's read it out loud together. You want to? Right, interact with me. Interact. Are you ready? Here we go. Create. Cast me not. Restore to me Father, thank you for your word. Help me to get out of the way today. And Lord, would you just speak to our hearts what you want to speak to each individual heart here today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Number one, create in me a clean heart. The first part of verse 10 of Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God. David realizes he's messed up. He realizes there's something, you know, I need God. God, I need you to do something in me. And the first thing that we're learning from David in his area where he, he's really at a distance from God and he's, he's done things that, that aren't good, the first thing that he does, the first thing that he prays to God is, create in me a clean heart. See, because remember we talked about everything that we do if you sit down with someone long enough that has an addiction, that is lying, that is doing whatever, having an affair, whatever it is, you sit down with them for long enough and you're going to find a heart issue. Somewhere along the way, they got wounded. They got wounded and so they're trying to fix that heart issue with things of this world and mad, angry, I'm not going to get close to anybody because I've been rejected and that guy that was supposed to love me did me wrong. I've been abused. I, you know, so I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to deal with the issue in my heart. See, David, David understood that he had messed up so bad, he had to figure out why. And see, this is what we never do. We never ask ourselves, why am I acting that way? We'll pray, God, please don't let me look at pornography anymore. I feel dirty when I do that, and every time I do, when I'm done, why did I do that? And y'all are looking at me like, wow, this is a real church. And pornography is a real problem. So, for men and women these days. And so, we'll pray about that. God, please help me stop drinking so much. Please help me stop doing this. Please help me stop doing that. And those are all great prayers. But what we don't do is we don't look in the mirror and say, God, why am I doing this? There's a, it's a heart issue. Every action I take comes out of my heart. Why, why am I acting this way? Why am I talking that way? Why do I get angry? Why am I sinning? Why? Am, why? So we don't, see, because we don't like that. Right? We, let me tell you how to grow a church. Be completely, utterly silicone. That's how you can grow a church. Just act your way through. Don't talk about things like pornography. Don't talk about things like heart issues. Just talk about fun stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. Everybody loves to hear about fun stuff, right? Yeah, let's talk about fun stuff. Well, I can tell you this. The adventure of Christianity is amazingly fun. When you get to a place where you start asking God, why? 
Why, why, why am I talking this way? Why, why am I doing this? Why? And David got it. David knew if he was going to be restored back to a rightful place with God and he was going to recapture that fire that he once had with God on the backside of that mountain, playing his harp, watching those sheep, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew he had to deal with the root issue and it was a heart issue. Something's got to be off in your mind if you're going to go sleep with your best friend's wife and then have him killed. But more so than that, something's off in your heart. Marriage isn't working out. Don't you dare look at your spouse or poke them right now. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Family's not working out. Dad, look at yourself. Mom, look at yourself. See, there's heart issues that for years we don't deal with, and if we don't deal with them, they turn into habits. Those habits turn into actions. Those actions turn into sin, and that sin gets us in trouble. And that's where David found himself. Check it out, man. This is King David. King David realizes, I got some heart issues. Do we ever completely get over heart issues? I don't know. But I do know this. Every day that we work on those and acknowledge them is a day that my ADD just kicked in. It, well, yeah. Um, every day, I'm just saying. Every day that we don't deal with those hard issues is a day that we lose. Every day that we do work on them is a day that we can allow God to work in our lives. That's what David's saying, man. I got some heart issues. Number two. Then he's, and he prays this. Renew a right spirit in me. Second part of Psalms 51.10. And renew, <coughs> excuse me, and renew a right spirit within me. A right spirit. I can tell you from personal experience, I've lived many, of my, many days of my life where my spirit wasn't right. But now David's saying, look, God, fix my heart because I know this, the right spirit that I need to come out of me is going to start in my heart. So create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love that word renew. I love it. Renewal. We all need spiritual renewal at times in our life. Re- renew a right spirit in me. Renew a spirit of love. Renew a spirit of joy. Renew a spirit of peace. Renew a spirit of forgiveness. Renew a spirit of gentleness. Renew that spirit in me. David's going down the line right here and he's reading our mail because this is where we live. I've got heart issues. God, would you fix those? And by the way, something's not right in my spirit. Obviously, David, you just had someone killed. Something's not going on there, right? So, so this, this whole idea of renewing a right spirit within me. Can I ask you a question today? And this is, this is not in reference to the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that because he talks about that. He's talking about attitude. That's what, that's what he's saying. Would you renew a right attitude in me? Would you renew a right thought process? Would you renew a right honesty? See, because David lied his way to getting in big trouble with God. I mean, he, he was going to kill the person who did exactly what he did. You guys know the story, right? Bathsheba? 
Something, something's off there. David knew that they were, that's the day, that, the time of day that they took baths. David was supposed to be at war. David got up to go walk around to look and see what he could see. And he saw, David knew who she was. David was friends with Uriah. Uriah was a great warrior. David had him killed. Something's not right here. But now he realizes, hey, I need something to change. So he's got renew a right spirit in me, a right attitude. See, David got really, he got too big for his britches. Are any of you old enough to remember that saying? Okay, good. Good. Too big for your britches. See, David got too David started listening to the, the people all around him telling him how great he was. They said, Don't go to war. Don't go to war. Don't, no, you don't need to do that. Stay here. See, I, I, don't, I don't listen to things that people tell me that are good about me, and this is why. So I don't have to listen to things that people tell me are bad about me. It's a good, it's a good program. Seriously, it is. Right? So renew a, renew a right spirit in me, a right attitude. And I, I would say this to you today, as, as Christ followers, as Christians, and, and, and if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, what a great day to do that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I'm talking about, is your spirit right? Is your attitude right? Uh, is who you are right in the eyes of God? Not the world, in, in the eyes of God. And that's what David's saying, something's off. Something is not right, God, and I need you to fix it. I need you to fix it. What an amazingly awesome, raw prayer that David's teaching us to pray right here. There's no pretension in this prayer. There's no three songs announcement and a sermon in this prayer. There's there's no, you're going to find any of that with David right here. He is laid bare before God because he knows he has screwed up royally. He's messed up so bad. And so he, he, he does all he knows to do and he turns to God. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. So here's the, here's the question before we go to the next point. Is your spirit right? Is your attitude right? Certain things just tick you off and you raise your voice and start yelling? Yes. First service this morning, I said I wasn't going to tell you guys this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So worship, John worships over. And I'm about to come up and speak. Steve's doing announcements, and I, I'm smelling gasoline, like full-on gasoline. So much so that I'm starting to look around, and I look over at Mike, and Mike goes, and I was like, praise God, it's not just me. I thought it was just me. And so anyway, we had to evacuate the building. Turns out somebody just spilled some gas, and it would, we have a shed out here, no big deal. And so, but we evacuated the building, Right? So we evacuated the building, and my thought was, hey, go out there and meet somebody you don't know. Don't, don't mess with the kids. Let them have their lesson and pick them up at 930. And it was so cool, man. Everybody left calmly. No, no big deal. And so I'm like, let's get some fans and blow the room out for the 10 o'clock service. Well, some things got mixed around in translation, and all of a sudden I see everybody coming back through the doors. I'm like, what's going on? Well, they told us to come back in. And this is like hundreds and hundreds of people. So it's not like you can just say, Stop! So I'm, I'm walking up here, and, and I'm just like, what are we doing? And this poor usher looked at me like, I've never seen you like this. 
That's why I've been huffing gas for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> Dude, that was a, a happy service, man. Those people were happy. It was awesome. But, but you know, the, the, the thought is, and some of you are out there now going, it's, there's no gas here. It's fine. A right spirit. And see, I, I use it as a funny story, but I'll, this week I'll have to do assess, some assessment in my heart of like, hey, you can't raise your voice on the usher again. <laughs> it was Nick. He's huge. <laughs> yeah, he didn't care. He was like, no, I don't understand, man. It was an intense moment. But, but I just use that as an illustration. If it's in there, it's going to come out. Right? And so if it's a heart issue or is it a right spirit? Number three. He's asking God, God, would you remind me you are always with me? Psalms 51.11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Wow. Now again, you have to put yourself in, in David's shoes here. He's lost everything. Everything. Gone. He's been judged. The prophet Nathan comes. And here, here's David, and David says, God, please, 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 please don't take your presence away. It's very interesting because th- this whole idea of God's presence in our life. Have you ever been in one of those seasons of your life where you just don't feel God's presence? D- did you know that God didn't go anywhere? His, his love is constant. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's always with us. But, but here's, here's the predicament David finds himself in, which maybe many, some of us would find ourselves in today. He's messed up so bad that he's thrown himself on the floor before God and he doesn't feel God's presence anymore. And furthermore, what he does feel of God, he's so scared that God's going to take it from him that he asks God, please don't cast me out of your presence. Don't do this, God. I remember what it was like to to hang out with you on the backside of that mountain watching the sheep. I remember how I would play the harp and sing praises. And I remember writing the Psalms, God. I remember how close I was to you. I remember these things. And here David is saying, hey, listen. God, could you just remind me that you're with me? Most everybody else has walked out. Even my own son is, is, has turned on me. You, you've read the story, right? His son sleeps with his wives in public, in a public place. See, because David had to deal with the consequence of his sin. Now I want you to listen to this, because this, this is the part that a lot of people in the church won't tell you. Mistakes and sin have consequences. Consequences are for a season. Forgiveness is forever. Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, when I was in school, if I got an F, I got spanked and grounded. And I got spanked and grounded a lot, by the way. I remember one time I got all C's and D's, and my parents said, you want to go out to eat? Take you to the Chinese buffet, buddy. All you can eat. So, so, so here, here's, here's an idea. Consequences are real. Parents, teach your kids that. There, there are consequences for actions. But consequences are for a season. Forgiveness is forever. And that's what David's trying to teach us today. He's saying, God, please don't cast me out of your presence. Please, 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 please 
don't take your presence away from me. I want to feel that closeness. I want to be close to you. I want to, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, don't take your spirit away, God. And why would David pray that? Because he was lonely. Why would David pray that? Because he really knew who God was. It was the Spirit of God that empowered David to kill Goliath. It was the Spirit of God that that empowered David to lead the armies where they would sing, this is David who slain his thousands, or Saul that slain his thousands, and David that slain his ten thousands. David is scared to death at this moment. And he's saying, God, please, 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 do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, Don't take your Spirit away. And isn't it amazing that it takes some really bad times before we pray some really desperate prayers? But God's grown, God is drawn to desperate prayers. God didn't leave David. David left God. And here David is running back to God. Please, God, I don't take your presence. And please, God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. It's just such an awesome, awesome, real prayer that a man prays because he knew who God was and he knew he had really screwed up. But he ran back to God. And I would submit to you today that that's a really good thing to do. Don't run from God, run back to Him. Number four. Then he says this, restore my joy. Psalms 51.12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your... He's he's telling God, look, I need the joy of your salvation in my life. Let's think about that for a second and uphold me with a willing spirit. Let's think about the joy of David's salvation. Now, this is David who was one of however many brothers. Did you go to Sunday school? Come on. Seven. Samuel comes to town. God tells Samuel to go and anoint the king, the new king. To take Saul's place. And so, all the boys line up. Big, strapping young men. Line up right across the... And and God says, nope, Samuel, nope, 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 nope. God says, no. So Samuel starts getting a little upset. He says, well, is there any other... Do you have another son? Is there anybody else? Well, yeah. There's this little runt. He's on the back side of the hill there watching the sheep. Now... Of all the jobs that you got to do, watching the sheep was not the best one. Samuel says, go get him. And nobody's going to sit down until he comes. So they go get David. David's walking up. Samuel says, God tells Samuel he's the one. And Samuel's probably arguing with God a little bit. But Samuel had learned by that point, don't argue with God. And so Samuel pours the oil on him, anoints him as the next king. Now, don't you know David at that moment is feeling the Lord's salvation? Because his brothers didn't like him. Right? Read the story of Goliath. He goes and they told him, what are you doing, troublemaker? You go back home. Now, if I was David and and God said no to all of them and God anointed me, I'd be like, you, my room, clean it. You, dishes, do them. You and you go take care of those nasty, stinky sheep back out there. Yeah. So, so David, 
David understands the greatness of God. David understands the anointing of God. David understands. And then God carries David through this amazing life. David messes up. And now he's missing the joy of God's salvation in his life. God's salvation showed up with Goliath. God's salvation showed up in the wars that David fought. God saved David in the desert of the En Gedi. God saved David in the cave of Adullam. God saved David from Saul as he climbed out of window as Saul pinned his garment to the wall with a spear. God's salvation was so evident in David's life that now David's saying, wait a minute, have I messed up so bad that God's not going to save me next time? In our own spiritual walk, the way that plays out is, yes, we have messed up too bad, but Jesus was too good. And so God said, I'm going to have to do something about this sin problem and that's why God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. Oh, man. Restore my joy. Re- res- restore my joy. My joy is through your salvation. It's a really, really awesome thing to think about. Some of us may be here today, and we know Jesus. We gave our heart to the Lord, and we may even serve in the church, and we might tithe, and we might even leave it, lead a Bible study. We might have a home group. But it's been a long time since we really thought about all those times that God's salvation showed up in our life. Mainly, the main one, spiritual salvation through Jesus Christ. It's a good thing to get out and take a jog to a good thought and just thank God. Just thank Him for how He showed up. And this is what David's doing. Restore that to me. Restore that to me. Restore that idea, God, that I know that You're going to save me in any situation. Restore the idea of Your salvation in my life. And uphold me with a willing spirit. In other words, hey God, now this this is a good one. This is awesome. This just shows the childlikeness of humanity. Because this is... um, this is David just sliding one in there with, with dad upstairs, with his father. How many of you have kids? Privileged enough to have a daughter? Okay. Well, privileged, I should say. They're... <laughs> Our, my daughter's 22. She's married. And she came over and spent the night, Thursday night. And um, she, she crawled up in my lap a few times, you know. And she's, she's, she loves to watch sports with me. And... Um, and all that stuff. But I, when she, early on, Chelsea figured out how to get what she wanted. <laughs> she did. She figured out how to ask me in the exact way that she should ask. And she just pulled, and that's what David's doing. David's pulling on God, the Father's heartstring right here. And David's saying, hey, would you uphold me with a willing spirit? In other words, God, would you, would you come alongside of me? Because I'm just a, I'm a little lost boy. And would you put a willing spirit in me to want to do good? Any any father, any parent whose kid comes to him and asks him to help them be good, absolutely I'm going to help you be good. That's what David's saying. Let's just translate it. God, would you help me be good? Would you help? And so Chelsea learned, she learned how, and that's what David's doing right here. He's pulling on the father's heartstrings. And so Chelsea learned to do that at an early age. And when, when my wife wasn't around, I'd say, okay. That's why God gave me a wife. Right? It'd be like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, why no? She learned that from you. 
You taught her how to pull on those heartstrings. Do you know what? God loves it when his children ask for help. He loves it. Absolutely loves it. And that's what David's doing right here. Hey, God, would you do some heart store, uh, surgery? Would you renew me? Would you restore me? And then would you, would you uphold me with a willing spirit? Would you, would you help me to be willing to help you help me? That's what he's saying. And maybe he's saying that to some of us today. But he's just a prayer away. Last thing. David's saying, let my failures be a living testimony. Psalms 51.13 Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Now don't forget, this is David, King David praying. Very influential person, by the way. Anointed by God. And he's saying, God, if you'll do all this for me, I'm, I'm, my failures are going to be a living testimony to everyone who's around me in my life. God, if you'll, if you'll do this, this I, I'm going to make sure that people, transgressors, someone who's regressed, someone who's fallen away from you that once knew you, I'm going to make sure that they know your ways. And I'm going to make sure that people who are living in sin are going to return to you. In other words, God, I am going to be a vehicle for those people in my life to know you. David didn't just stop at fix me. David said, fix me and I'll represent you. How many people in this room right now, you ask yourself this question. I was broken and God put the pieces back together and I've not allowed anyone else to see those cracks because I'm too good, too perfect. I don't want anybody thinking any less of me. That's, that's why our, the world looks at the church and says those people are totally irrelevant because they don't have any problems. And you know why they think we don't have any problems? Because you act like you don't have any problems. How dare you? Some people in this room right now who went through a rough time in your marriage and God restored it and you're on a good track right now and there's some of you in this room right now who can't stand your spouse. Well, isn't that the pastor's job? No! You're about to kill me anyway. If I have to meet with every one of you, I am going to die. <laughs> the church, is, it's a beautiful mess, right? None of us are perfect. We're all, we're, all, we're all broken. We're broken vessels. We have, we have sin. We have problems. We have areas of our life. That, and, and that's all of us. If you're here today and you just wandered in off the street, let me tell you, there is not one perfect person in this building. And never will be until Jesus comes back. I, I, some of you have probably seen this analogy, but I'll share it anyway. If you, you have a, um, a clay vessel... Which we're the mysteries and jars of clay. That's what we are. We have a, a, a clay vessel. And you take a candle and you light that candle and you put it down inside the clay jar. How much light are you going to get out of that? Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I was worried about the rest of them, but you're with me. Okay, good. Now, you'll get a little bit of light shining straight upwards. 
But nothing around that clay pot is going to get any light. You take that clay pot and you throw it down on the floor and bust it. And then the potter comes along with his big hands and he takes that pot and starts putting it back together. The Holy Spirit, the super glue of the Holy Spirit starts gluing that thing back together. And then he he gets it back to where at least it still looks like a clay pot. And then you take a candle and you put that candle down inside that clay pot. Now where's the light going to come from? Through the cracks. Some of y'all are so perfect you only have a few cracks. I have gaps. God's, God's still working on me. Yeah, He is. I got gaps. I got holes. You know, He's like, Jesus, I still got to get this piece put in there. I'm like, God, would you please hurry up? Please. See, we're all broken, man. We're broken vessels, but we're forgiven. And the light of God's love shines in us. And if we will allow it to shine through, that's what David's saying. David's saying, I don't care anymore who knows that I messed up, because the whole nation knew he messed up. His own son sleeping with his wives on top of the castle or whatever you call it back then. Everybody knows David's messed up. Everybody knows David's been judged by God. So David's saying, I don't care anymore. I really don't care anymore who knows what about me. All I care about is God fixing me, doing some heart work, renewing me, restoring me, and using me. That's what, that's what David was saying. God, fix my heart, renew me, restore me, and use me. That's pretty much what God wants to do with all of us. And whatever, whatever area of your Christian walk you're in right now, What a great day to allow that process to begin. What a great day. So here's the question. Have you even experienced the joy of God's salvation? In other words, have you accepted the gift of God in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? See, because until you do that, the light's not shining. And you say, yeah, I'm broken. I am broken, broke, disgusted, busted, can't be trusted, broken. But until you say, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. God's sitting back there looking at the broken pieces going, I want to help, 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 I really want to help. But he can't really help us until we give in. And then maybe you're here today and one time you were on fire for God. You, you were just reading your Bible, praying. That was you. That was you. And through the years, you, you've been like David. Something happened. Something happened and now you feel far from God because of this lifestyle. Can I just encourage you today to run back to God? He's standing there with arms wide open waiting on you. And the last thing we're going to pray about today is those of us who are in this room that know Jesus, but we've got heart issues. We've got heart issues and we've refused to acknowledge those heart issues and they're causing behaviors in our life that aren't conducive to the Word of God. God is the best heart surgeon. He says in Ezekiel, He can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. 
You got to let him in. So would you bow your head all over this place? If you're here today, just like 30-some people have already done today in the first two services, and you say, I need, I need Jesus, I'm broken, and I need somebody to put back the pieces. There, I, I need that in my life right now. I need God to do a miracle in my life. That miracle starts with salvation. Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Say, Jason, what do you mean about salvation? I mean, just confessing and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and, and that you believe with all your heart He's the true Son of God and you're going to put your faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you say, I'm broken. I'm broken and I need, G- I need God to pick up the pieces and put them back together. I need Jesus in my life. Will you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? Nobody, I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, buddy. I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. I, I'm broken, and I need, I need God to put the pieces back together. I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus today. Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? I see your hand, man. That's awesome. I see your hand, man. God's love is so evident in this building today. I, I wonder if you're here today and you've been far from God and you're, you're just ready to run back. You're ready to run back. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I see your hand. That's, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's awesome. Just run back to Him today. Just run right back to Him. He's never left you. He's still in the same place that you left Him. If you raise your hand to be saved today, or to rededicate your life. Will you just pray this prayer with me? And please, 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 after the service, go out to the tent on the East Lawn, get a Bible and a devotion. I mean, teenagers and adults alike have raised their hands today to, to just give their life over to the Lord or give it back over. And if that's you, I want you to hear me as your heads are bowed. God is able. Do not doubt Him. He's able. You may have to let go of a few things in your life, but everything you let go of, He's going to pay you back double that's you right there where you're sitting right now would you just pray this prayer with me father thank you for loving me thank you for chasing me and i realize right now i'm broken there's some broken things in my life and i need you to come in and fix my heart and i know the only way you can do that is by virtue of me professing jesus christ as my savior so right now i'm confessing in my heart that i believe that jesus christ is your son he's the messiah he was born of a virgin i believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin to the cross. I believe they placed him in a grave. I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe in my heart, God, that my salvation comes through what Jesus Christ did for me. So right now, at this very moment, right at this very moment, I receive your love, your grace, and your mercy. And I make a commitment, God, I'm going to be a willing partner in getting my life put back together. I'm going to do my best to have a willing spirit so you can come in and start picking up the pieces and putting them back together. And I'll give you praise for it. One day I'm going to look back, God, on this day. I'm going to be with you in glory in heaven. And I'm going to to just hug you and thank you for having me in this chair today. For the rest of us, before we're dismissed, let's be brave enough to ask the question, do we need heart surgery? So, Father, show us areas of our heart where we need to get along with you and let you fix. Show us those areas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.